Welcome to the Technory Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Today's show is brought to you by Active Campaign. Go beyond email marketing with true automation by signing up at activecampaign.com slash technory. Get your first two months for free. Automation is a, is a very key word right now. I don't know how many people are actually paying attention to this, but we are entering fastly entering a world where automation is not just a thing people talk about and like fear factor for replacing jobs. It's a reality. If you're not using automation to make your job easier, then you should be fired because you don't know what you're doing, not because you're being replaced. Automation is not about replacing people. Automation is about making people better. Uh, Active Campaign does a great job of that. We're actually using it on a bunch of projects now. So uh, this is not just a live read. That's the real deal. Today's guest, Clint uh, Stinchcomb, is the CEO of Curiosity Stream. I am fastly becoming obsessed with this. Um, we've talked about it a whole bunch of times on, on different shows, varying shows about different things. Obviously, you know, I'm a content junkie, media junkie in general, um, documentaries. And I'm not saying this cause I've written like three posts recently about last dance documentaries are going to play a crucial role. They're playing a crucial role right now in education. Teachers are using documentaries, um, while they're, you know, doing teaching remote. I actually think that if we're going to continue for the next year or so in this sort of on and off remote stay at home thing, real true keyword here, true documentaries, they are, they are museums. They are an ability for me to take a tour through a museum and learn something really unique that I never thought of, never thought I'd care about. Um, I've been into documentaries for a while. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Tiger King is not a documentary. That is what I would call a mockumentary uh, hilarious, love it, but not, not necessarily something I'm going to be like, Hmm, I wonder is this true or not? Like, it's unfortunate that people can't tell the difference. I guess that's like anything else, right? Uh, we'll learn of evolution. I think social media is in the middle of that evolution right now. There's a serious, like, wait a minute, that's not real. Uh, and that's a good thing. It's, it's taken some time, but we're getting there. Documentary, huge role. It is how we tell stories. It is how we teach people. It's how we capture people's imagination. Sometimes reading, which I highly recommend, by the way, this sounds ridiculous that I have to even say that, but I do. I'm talking to myself as much as anyone. Um, just doesn't quite, especially if your experiences in life have limited you to not seeing things. If you've never been on the ocean, for example, I could, I could write a story that tells you all about it. I might even call it Moby Dick. Um, but you would never really truly understand unless you saw it. And I think that's the thing that documentaries does. It's, it's like, how do I go 50 leagues under the sea? Well, I could check out Disney. I guess that's the, the first place, but then discovery would be the other one. Um, curiosity stream is sort of that it's, it's a place. It's a, the, the Clint, the CEO said it perfectly. It's a utopia. It's a, it's an oasis that you can go on that, that keeps you locked into learning, but learning in a way that's creative and fun and relaxing. And I certainly enjoy it. And I, I don't think I'm alone in it. I think that it's a great way to spend time. It's a great way to learn really quickly. It does not make you an expert by any stretch. Although I am an expert on Carol Baskin. Um, I believe I am, but uh, this doesn't make you an expert. It makes you just knowledgeable enough to learn what piques your curiosity and what makes you want to dive deeper. Um, and this is a place that you can go and, and just get a ton of documentaries and get access to them for fairly, you know, 20 bucks a year, pretty reasonable. Um, so it's really cool. This is a great conversation that I had. And, and then, you know, if you stick around for the whole conversation, which I recommend you do, we get into a little bit about the value and the importance of, of creating content and how does one sell 
something like this. We uh, mash a little bit on Quibi, which I've already done numerous times, mostly because I feel like a scorned lover in this. I was like the one saying, Quibi, 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 it's going to be so great. And here I'm still have it trying, uh, but seeing a lot of gaping errors that are like, oh man, I can't even believe that's real. Uh, but Clint and I talk about how to not make those mistakes, but also how to live through some of them. How do we launch this? How do we get the world to watch documentaries? I kind of think that they're going to evolve naturally. That's what I think. That's my gut. Um, but I think that he has to deliver these in a way that make you feel like you're missing something if you're not watching. How do you make, when we do eventually go back to water coolers, or maybe we're going to water cooler at Zoom. I don't even know. Uh, yeah, who, who knows? But point is, once we get back to water cooler talk, I think you want, how do you get in that conversation? How do you make curiosity stream part of that conversation? How do we get people to be like, Oh, did you catch this documentary? Like, Oh no, I didn't. I feel like I'm left out. And then I have to go watch one and come back. Like, did you see this one? No, it, it, there's like a whole thing that is here. And I, I think we're really close to it. And then of course there is just the fact that like from a news reporting standpoint, it's a really great tool to get people interested in a topic that is relevant to the world, whether that's uh, save the earth or, you know, pollution or politics, or learning about individuals, learning about history, learning about leaders, learning about, uh, you know, indigenous people, learning about a million things, animals, whatever. Uh, Documentaries serve this like really cool purpose. Also, I should say before I go to the interview, speaking of content, we just updated again, the Technory playlist on Spotify. If you're not following it, you should. I love the music. We're mixing it up all over the place. We've got about 3,000 people on it right now following it that, that I, I dig. And some people are sending us songs they'd like to see on it. We're not going to be able to accommodate everyone, uh, but I definitely will be updating it and adding new things. So please just DM me uh, or, or Technori, anything. At Technori, at Katoon, either way. Uh, we'd love to update our playlist with stuff you like. Right now, it's stuff we like. Uh, and ironically, we actually had a guest the other day who was like, I checked out Technori playlist before the podcast. It's like... That was not the intention, but it works nonetheless. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Clint Stinchcomb, the CEO of CuriosityStream. I've never watched more content in my life, and I'm a content guy. Um, and my wife and I, we live in a condo, one-bedroom condo with a small baby who turns one in June. And it has been like, I guess she's learning what I like to watch, and I'm learning more what she likes to watch. And she's documentaries all day. So curiosity stream seems like a great place to start on content. Uh, so Clint, welcome to the show for starters. And um, I guess, give me, give me your feeling. We'll get into curiosity stream in a minute here, but give me your, your kind of sense of, of things in the market and the consumption for all types of content, but documentary in particular. Curiosity stream was started by a guy named John Hendricks, who actually founded uh, discovery channel in discovery communications <clears throat> and in uh, about 2016, he started Curiosity Stream, and it was really a reaction, uh, Scott, to the the fact that so many networks that had kind of factual charters to begin with, you know, who had sort of purported to you know do programming on science and technology and history and natural history and society and lifestyle, had really moved more into uh, the reality world, more sort of lowest common denominator programming around you know medical anomalies and paranormal and salacious crime and this sort of thing. So, you know, John saw a real opening for, you know, pure factual uh, service. So Curiosity Stream today, um, you know, we, we program to the full category of, of factual programming, all those categories that I, that I previously uh, mentioned, 
We don't do uh, reality television. We don't do scripted television. And what we've seen is that, you know, there was a lot of demand for that. And, you know, there's demand in the U.S. because of, you know, the networks having, having abandoned the factual programming. But, you know, that same dynamic exists all over the world. So Curiosity Stream today is available in over uh, 170 countries. You know, we have a pure uh, direct service that we provide. We also work with, you know, direct broadcast satellite providers, wireless providers, and uh, cable providers around the world as well. I feel like this is a conversation that should have been had um, about six years ago, and you start using the word factual programming. Like, I think we've gotten to a point where, like, the vast majority of people are just so conditioned. And then, you know, to be honest, you know this probably better than anyone. um, It costs more money in a lot of cases to create factual programming than it does to throw five cameras up and let a bunch of uh, very, very wild people do wild things. It just costs more money. Um, and it seems like people's attention spans are, are just not there for it unless served the right way. That's, that's fair. Um, I would say that one, uh, you know, one dynamic that we benefited from was because, you know, so many of these services had abandoned factual content. There was some great programming from, you know, just, world-class producers all over the world that we were able to acquire, you know, at the beginning of curiosity stream and, and still to, to this day, it's kind of an inefficiency in the marketplace. So um, we were able to kind of seed curiosity stream with, um, you know, a great collection of acquired programming. And then, you know, we build on that with, uh, with originals and co-productions, but, you know, I think you make a great point, uh, Scott, you know, what what is factual today? I mean, there's you know there's so much noise. I mean, especially we're just outside of D.C. and Silver Spring, Maryland. There is so much noise, you know, from both sides. That you know, we love it when people tell us that they see Curiosity Stream as, as kind of an oasis. You know, it's a place where they can come and watch you know world class documentaries. Um, and look, it's it's hard to say that you know everything is devoid of a point of view. But you know, we try to be you know as, as apolitical as possible here and just serve up the information and let people make their own decisions. I think it's amazing to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of docu series. Um, I, you know, I agree with you. Obviously there's most of them have particularly those on Netflix and obviously everyone is all in on the last dance right now. And I'm from Chicago, live in Chicago. So uh, was there for the Jordan Jordan days. I'm, I'm very excited to watch it, but I also see the bias like very clearly bleeding through the screen um, which is fine for me because I agree with that bias in this particular last dance case, but uh, neither here nor there. I feel like uh, we as a society are turning, I don't know if this is good or bad or for whom, but we're turning a corner where there's so much BS on one side and there's so much like influencer garbage in, in their social channels and political banter and conspiracy theories and all this crap. And then on the other side, there's like hard news, real reporting, and then in the middle, it's all being squeezed prior to the coronavirus. It was all being squeezed by our lack of time to like actually investigate and learn and sort of a, I guess, default laziness to not, you know, not wanting to read. Um, but now we've gotten to a point where everyone's got nothing but time. And so right. the, the documentaries have had a, ta- a chance and I'd love to know your take on this, but I, they, they've had a chance from my vantage point to really take off and give people uh, to your point, an oasis to just learn something like I will tell you, I mean, sitting around and maybe it's a combination of having a baby crying in one corner and a wife yelling at me in the other. But, uh, when I turn on the TV with YouTube, we stream on YouTube and I see discovery and national geographic, and I see a documentary on something that I have, I know nothing about. I just like immediately gravitate to that. 
because it is a quiet zone that I can just learn. And my brain is like repairing itself, or at least it feels that way. What are you seeing on the docu and, and the growth yeah, trajectory here? Yeah. And, and our intention is exactly that, you know, our, our hope is that, you know, as you're watching, you know, as your wife is watching that, you know, every four five or six minutes, Scott, you'll say, geez, I didn't know that, you know, and I'll say, I mean, I've been watching the last dance as well as, you know, as have, I guess, you know, 6 million other households yeah. every Sunday night. It, it's like it the Super Bowl awesome. every Sunday. I love it. But, but, you know, and I have that sensation when I'm watching it, you know, I mean, I, I thought it was, so great. And I think, I don't know, if it was, I think it was the, the third episode, um, you know, and they're talking to Michael Jordan after he's been just hammered, you know, by the Pistons three years in a row. And he said, I'm tired of getting beat up. You know, yep. I've got my trainer here. I'm tired of, of, of uh, feeling the pain. I'm ready to administer the pain. I mean, that's just fantastic. I mean, oh, that's yeah. one of, you know, probably 50 lines like that throughout the series. It's awesome. I mean, I think that's a great, I, I think that's just a, it's a great franchise. Um, and I know that there's, you know, there's, there's some uh, criticisms that, you know, he, that he has final cut and this sort of thing, but it's, it's fantastic. I mean, that, you know, I'm glad he did. I'm glad he put it out there. I mean, just to see some of those, you know, to see him and, you know, Larry Bird and, and Magic Johnson talking to each other and, in cuts that have never been shown before. It's just a great peek behind the curtain. You know, I love that. And it's, you know, and I think, I think people, you know, so, uh, you know, if you watch the last dance, certain things are demystified. Right. And so in the you know traditional documentary space, we try to do the same thing. You know, let's, let's try to demystify the world for people, make it easier to understand. I, I wasn't going to go there, but I, I'd love to get your take on this. Like, I don't think people know how documentaries are supposed to be made. Like, I think people just like there's, and I think it's an important distinction because you go on Netflix and you'll see docu-series, which I, I, I call them mockumentaries because they're just, it's just yeah. kind of bullshit that happened to be spun out in a way that may, you know, it's like Tiger King, like, okay, whatever. I, I trust uh 0% of that story. Yeah. Um, and I think people don't understand yeah. the difference and they really need to, like they, yeah. it would really behoove them to know how this is made. What is, what is the structural integrity of a documentary and, and what makes one entertaining versus say something that I should have seen in eighth grade science? Well, I, I think it starts with great storytelling, right? So you've got to work with good storytellers. And, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we work with, you know, by any, by any objective standard of measurement are considered the best producers around the world, the BBC, you know, the NHK, Zed, you know, ZDF. We also create a lot of, you know, programming on our own, you know, pure original programming and work with, you know, third party producers in the U.S. and outside the U.S. that might not be quite as well known. But I think you have to have people in your programming group, one, you know, who, who know how to tell a good story. Um, you've got to be obviously working with producers who know how to string together uh, a great story. Um, and then, you know, there's really, there, there's no substitute for experience. I mean, we have, you know, 12 people in our programming group and this is all they've done, you know, for the most part for their entire career. So, you know, we're over, you know, a hundred years cumulatively, you know, into the hundreds of years, if you, if you add it all up with those guys. So I think when you, I think when you do one thing, you know, so for us, I mean, you know, we're not in the, we're not in the news business. We're not making, you know, scripted movies, but we do, you know, traditional factual programming and that's all we do. And, and we don't try to be anything other than that. And so I think when that's your, when that's your core focus and that, and when you're trying every single day, you know, to make the best piece of content, um, 
you're going to be more apt to pull that off than if it's just one of, you know, a zillion things you do. Like, you know, I mean, look, I, I watched Tiger King like lots of people, you know, <laughs> uh, and it was, it was entertaining, but you know, I can't say that I learned something every four or five minutes. And it was frankly a struggle to get through some of the last episodes because it was just kind of one off a person after another. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I did learn something every four or five minutes that there are people like this out there <laughs> yeah. and Carol Baskin's a murderer that I, that I learned. Um, I'm just yes. for yeah. legal purposes. I'm just joking. I don't know if she actually did. Um, <laughs> you gotta be clear anymore. This show is not a documentary. Yeah. This is an opinion. Um, no. but right. you know, I just think that like the documentary is starting to get to a point where it has maybe more importance than it ever had before. And it also, but that also comes with the same sort of risk that people can manipulate the structure. They can make a structure seem to the eye of the, sure. the viewer as if this is true, when in reality it could be just made up on the fly. And and I think that that's like, there, that's a part that I, I fear a little bit, but at the same time, I also think that like anything that will give people more information and more fact and more learning is good. And there, I think there's also the, the more common things like this happen, the more funding is available for these kind of things for curiosity stream and also a, a place to go that like blocks out all of the garbage and lets me learn for whatever reason I want to learn about sharks today. So, you know, I, I just think that there's something very interesting about that. And I, I think it, like people, maybe don't know that this exists. And I, I, I'd love to figure out like, how, how do you guys grow this to where uh, the average person knows about this? Cause like, I'll, I'll just sidebar here, but I'll, my wife, as an example from before, I will, you know, you guys were amazing and set us up with a free thing. And I've just been sort of watching stuff and, and kind of selfishly getting an understanding of what you do. I'm going to send this over to my wife who teaches high school chemistry. And I think she would absolutely go bananas for this, but I don't think she would have known to yes. even find this. So how do we get this in front of everybody? Right. No, I think it's, I think it's a great point. And so our, you know, our, our broader mission here is to, is really to help satisfy the curiosity of the world. And we do see a clear path to getting curiosity stream to, you know, hundreds of millions of subscribers around the world, but how do you do it? I mean, you, first of all, you have to have money. I mean, you have to be in the marketplace with, you know, messaging, you know, this as, yep. as well as anybody. So, you know, we did at the end of, you know, at the end of 2018, uh, we raised $140 million, in, um, which was essentially the only kind of non-founder money that's come into CuriosityStream. So we've been able to put that to work around the world. So you've got to be able to spend tens of millions, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in marketing if you really want to just penetrate the world. However, yeah. you know, in concert, what we do is, you know, we're starting to work with the biggest wireless providers around the world, for example. So, you know, you go to India, you can read about some of the, some of what we've done there. Um, you're working with Airtel right now. So Airtel in India, for example, they, they have, I mean, the numbers are sort of staggering. It's, I mean, over 300 million subscribers. Now, not all of those subscribers can access video, but, you know, 10% of them can, and over time, Still a, lot. You know, a lot more will. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll work with them, you know, we'll work with, uh, you know, the big, the big wireless providers around the world is, is one way of doing this. I mean, look, when, you know, when uh, Disney announces that they're in, you know, 55 million homes, those aren't all single standalone homes. I mean, that's a combination of, of bundling with uh, providers like Verizon with, you know, a hot star in India. So when people talk about getting into hundreds of millions of homes, that's how you do it. Netflix is really, you know, the only one Netflix, Amazon, 
those are the only guys that, you know, uh, will be in, you know, hundreds of millions, if not a billion homes without, without a, without a bundling mechanism. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you've, you've seen like, you know, whether it's successful or not successful things with like title, um, and you're seeing Quibi and others that are trying to get into this. And I think, you know, this is actually a really great segue into the conversation we were kind of having before we started the show officially, um, about this is a weird opportunity for content presenters and publishers and makers and, and marketers because, for the first time, and I don't even know, I mean, I, I, I hate using the wartime analogy, but it, there's something there um, to where a society has a behavioral shift that usually takes a decade to actually manifest, and it's happening in 30 days. And I and there's a study coming out in Nielsen that basically suggests that brands that have, and brands being literally anything, anything from, you know, shampoo to, to, to curiosity stream. Sure. Um, that are not in the public eye and are not spending and leaning into people's current behavior shift, virtual and otherwise, those brands are being forgotten as if they've been gone for 10 years, something that's never happened in just 30 days. Um, I, I think it's a great opportunity for brands like yours to really capture people's imagination. And what I'd love to learn is like, just one, what are your thoughts on the whole thing that you're going through right now as far as people's consumption habits? And then- if I could create a straw man, I would, I would look at curiosity stream and this is going to sound weird, I think, but uh, Quibi. So I've been writing these articles about yeah. Quibi and just content machines and thinking like what a novel idea, but yet the execution has just been really, in my opinion, just not great. Um, right. Yeah. Yes. It just, it's tone deaf. I, I, I think it's a great, it's a great question. Yes. And so, you know, I read a, uh, Alan Walk in a fierce video on Friday wrote a review of, of Quibi. He called them the Bill de Blasio of streaming services. <laughs> there's a bad move to make. They would make it. I'm going to go so, and re-edit that's, that's, my you know, story not, and add that. Go. <laughs> I'm yeah. steal that. Yeah. So, so you know, I'll start off by saying this. I think that, you know, <clears throat> there are streaming services, and I think you could argue that Quibi is one of them that kind of, come into this with a field of dreams mentality, basically, okay, we're going to put some, you know, what we believe to be some great content out there. And, uh, you know, there's 7 billion people in the world, enough people are going to come and pay us for it and everything's going to be great. Okay. No, I mean, these, these services today, I mean, they take massive deliberate work. And you know, what I would, what I would argue is that they, I think they may have underestimated that, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, it's early, it's early. I'm not throwing dirt on them yet, but it, but I, I'm seeing all of those lazy. Um, I even, honestly, I, I sent this to one of my buddies who writes for the times. Uh, and I, I said, Hey, I don't know if you, if you subscribe to the information, but if you do check out the org chart, go look I at do. org charts yeah. on like snap and all these other companies. And then go look at Quibi. It looks like whatever Hewlett Packard looked like in 1987. Like that's what it looks like. Yes. And that says everything right. about performance. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, when I got to Curiosity Stream, I mean, you know, we had a, it was a beautiful platform. There was, you know, tremendous content, you know, great group of people, but, you know, there, just, there weren't any offensive players. Yep. And you basically had one line of revenue, just, you know, pure direct consumer. And so I, I, I didn't, I never wanted to be in a business like that. I mean, if you look today, there's over 300 on-demand services and today, most of them still just have one line of revenue. It's either advertising or it's subscription. And so as I looked at this, I said, okay, you know, what can we do with Curiosity Stream that, you know, I've done in my life 
previously. And so it's okay, we can continue hard with this direct consumer business because, you know, it's, it's wide open for us. But at the same time, that requires money and, and uh, you know, is not a simple proposition, but we want to push hard there. But then we also want to work with third-party distributors. So, you know, the first year I was here, we probably did, you know, 35 different third-party agreements, um, working with big distributors around the world. And so, as you know, kind of deals beget deals and success begets success. So that's moving in the right direction. We also pursue real hard, it's got a, a corporate and educational business. So if you're a corporation and, you know, you provide your, your employees with peanuts and, you know, parking spots and gym memberships, why not give them, you know, the ultimate benefit, which is the gift of curiosity street. So we've had, you know, over 50 companies give all of their employees the, the gift of curiosity. We sell to educational institutions, higher ed, you know, K through 12 uh, associations, that kind of thing. And so um, that's another way, you know, we've got this, we've got a, you know, business to business aspect of this. In addition to that, you know, we, we've just recently launched a sponsorship business. We're never going to you know, load up our, our content with ads because we just don't think people want to consume content like that. But, you know, off air, we'll take our partners through it and, you know, we'll do it in, in ways that don't, don't interrupt the experience. And at the same time, you know, we want to be, you know, we working with other nonfiction, other, other media companies who need, you know, factual solution because there's lots of, you know, there's lots of big companies around the world right now who are trying to, you know, you know, trying to penetrate the world and, you know, the majority of them only have kind of a scripted content offering. So you'll read about some, you'll see some announcements in the next few weeks, you know, where we're aligned with some, you know, some bigger players as kind of a factual solution to their overall offering. So we've really tried to push hard on, you know, kind of seven different business lines. And obviously, you know, it takes work, but it's, it's certainly, it's, you know, it's a lot to get going, but it's, it's a lot less stressful and it really de-risks the business and it gives us the opportunity to be, you know, what we really want to be the factual solution for, you know, everybody in the world. I have to tell you, I think it's a brilliant move. Uh, obviously you don't need me to tell you that. I'm sure you've got shareholders that can tell you this every day. That. Um, the, the move. I can't hear that enough, Scott. I appreciate it. Hey, I'll that. say it again. I'll say <laughs> it one more time. Like, I think it's a brilliant move. Yeah. Whoever came up with it is a brilliant guy and should be CEO forever. Um, <laughs> No, but, but in all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, it's probably true though. In all seriousness, um, the, the move for businesses to have transparency and authenticity is so crucial. And I know this for my business as doing sponsors, all these podcasts and stuff are, are brought to you by sponsors that, that paid to access this audience. And, you know, in this case, active campaign or whatever, um, they want to have authentic brands and, and the, the day of, sticking my logo on something or like not really being aligned with people who use my product or aligned with people who are wanting to be more uh, curious or discovering about what we do. Uh, so I'll give you an example. Like if I'm, if I'm target, I would love to produce a documentary with you guys that shows our distribution line that shows how we care. It shows what we're yes. doing during the coronavirus to help not you, the audience, but our own people. Like there is an opportunity there that like, yeah, it's paid for by target. So, you know, like, you know, I told you we're not, you know, we're not right. perfect, but look what we're doing. I, I just think you, there's no other mechanism other than what you're doing to deliver that message without it being interrupted. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, I think you'll see it. I think you'll see us do that kind of thing. And we'll mix in, you know, some interest, you know, look, Target's got a lot of interesting technology. Sure. Know? We'll mix that into the program. So without a doubt, it's a great idea. And that's, that is definitely a piece of the future. 
You know, the funny thing is this is, this could be great for, for just marketing purposes in general. I'm sure you watched this, but I'm forgetting on how long ago it was. Do you remember the Lego documentary? This is before the new CEO. They were kind of like showing Lego was in tough times. Uh, You know, they were right in that transition period. And honest to God, I swear, I think that that Lego documentary was one of the major kickstarters for the relaunch of that brand that has made them explode over the last call it five or six years. I think people were like Lego. They're still around. I remember when I played with those as a kid and then they're, and they're showing their kid and the kid's like, Oh no, I have it on a video game. And he's like, what? And then it just sort of like it tied the story together. The do- one documentary. The, the, the power of video is, as you just communicated to ignite, you know, credibility and, you know, authenticity and just, you know, inject, you know, a, a whole, a, you know, whole new level of enthusiasm into a brand. Yeah. There's nothing like it. There's, there's nothing like it. I mean, totally it, agree. It's yeah. Um, on the, so on the kind of wrapping note here, you know, obviously you personally, you've had a very long and very, uh, not to make you sound old, you've had a long successful career, uh, in, in kind of entrepreneurial executive and media, and you've had the opportunity to work on a lot of different things. And I, I'm obviously a media junkie at this point, but I really think that we are in a weird time where people maybe for the first time ever can like step back and point to social media and go, ah, maybe that's, that's not exactly what the intention was. And like realize where real news is and isn't. And like, you're starting to see where the content is coming from. What do you see as an executive who spent an entire career in these, you know, in the, in the sort of evolution of media, where do you see things going? What is your outlook for, for what people are consuming and why? Well, I think there's, there's so much out there, right? I mean, we're just, we're deluged, you know, every day. And, you know, what I will say is um, we, we can poke holes at, at uh, you know, a lot of the content that, that's out there, you know, across the spectrum, but, you know, I'd rather live in this world that we live in today with, you know, just the multitude of media selections as compared to, you know, 40 years ago when you had three networks delivering yep. the news to you, right? So, you know, I'll take it. Now, it requires, obviously, you know, a lot more uh, discernment among people. But I think that, you know, I think the move is to uh, is to quality. And I just think you have to have a, a, a proposition of quality or, I mean, you see it with Quibi right now. I mean, th- those are well-produced programs yep. that are on the Quibi platform with, you know, great producers, you know, bucks. you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's no way to watch it on your television. I mean, you know, no screen so, grabs, no social shares. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. So I think, I think there's, you know, I think you've got to, you've got to carve out a, a quality uh, niche for yourself. I don't like the word, I don't like the word niche, but yeah. you know, to the extent that I know you, you mean, associated yeah. with quality, I think it's just, it's absolutely vital because I also think that, you know, whether it's a documentary or, you know, a, a scripted program, you know, so many today have, have some point of view. I mean, it's just, it's hard to divorce the people that are making the program from, you know, their sort of learned experiences and, and their point of view. So I just think it's, it's important, you know, obviously to watch with a little bit more of a, a you know, discerning eye, I mean, I'm not trying to preach here, but, you know, just what I, what I tell my own kids is, you know, 
Don't get you don't get your news from the same exact source, you know, all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a whole audience that probably don't follow my podcast and won't get that message, but that's another show. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I totally agree with you. I would also say, you know, to that point, that's kind of what we want. I, I don't mean as a society. Yes. I just mean like what we as individual people have sort of voted for is, you know, we had the reporter who you never even knew their name. They just told you the news. And now we've sort of liked the idea of like, well, you know, I know Clint, Clint's telling me this. Like if Clint right. thinks this, then I think this, then I, I like Clint. You need to get other, other verses of this in. And there's other places. Like I, I like to get a headline on Twitter. I don't ever read the article. I only get the headline on Twitter and I sort of make a mental note of the ones that I want to follow up on. And then I go look them up on the New York times or wherever I read at. And then I read the story or I read a magazine article or whatever. You know, I think people are starting to get to that point, which we'll wrap on this. Cause I think it's important for, your business yeah. and mine and, and the listener and anyone else who's in media right now, um, you made some excellent points when you discussed and described sort of the evolution part of media. But then the other side of this is how do we media businesses stay in business? And right. I think that you kind of unlocked it a little bit when you said, you kept saying the quality component. I think that these media companies and you are like the perfect example. We could literally use curiosity stream as like the, the actual example here. If you, are lazy and make an assumption to the audience that they're not, uh, that you're not thinking of them exactly when you're creating your content, but you expect them to pay you like those days are gone. How do you as a leader make sure that you understand your audience and what they want and deliver and stay only focused on what you know they want rather than like whatever your own personal agendas might be. How do companies do that? Yeah. Well, I think you have to hire, I think, I think, you know, at the top, you have to hire other great people, you know? So, you know, we, for example, we hired a guy named uh, Devin Emery at the end of November last year to be our first head of growth. You know, he had a real young guy, but just really, you know, steeped in the data. I mean, you know, my approach to the business is to kind of, you know, muscle it where I can, but I knew, you know, we could never be great if we didn't have somebody at the top that really, 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 you know, love the data and he had great experience at, you know, at, uh, at Endeavor at Google, you know, helped build uh, cheddar up from, you know, startup to yeah. business sold to Altice for $200 million. And so, you know, and if you look at what he's done, for example, in aligning us with quality. So I think, you know, we want to have quality, but we want to align with quality. And so I mentioned like some of the world's, you know, greatest producers, but at the other end, you know, and, and I know, you know, this world well, Scott, and you look at the YouTube influencers. Yeah. I mean, they're a huge part of what we do. So, you know, we, and we love to support those guys, whether it's TierZoo or Vsauce or Real Engineering or Wendover, Legal Legal, whomever it might be, you know, they're crucial to our business because, you know, the people that, that uh, consume their content, uh, you know, essentially, you know, are passionate about that kind of content and about those people. So if they're saying, you know, hey, Curiosity Stream is okay, it's good, you know, it, it meets, it checks all of these boxes. That's great. So we want to, we want to align with quality. You know, we want to, we want to work with quality and uh, you know, we want to hire the best people that we can and, 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 you know, just make every, make, make each other better. You know, I don't know if that sounds a little so soapy, but that's just, that, that's it. I mean, it's the fundamentals. No, it's, it isn't soapy to be honest. I mean, we talked to, I don't know how many CEOs we talked to. You talked about Netflix earlier. We had Mark Randolph on the show, not that long yes. ago. And he, he was like, listen, uh, I hired my replacement. I didn't know yeah. that he was going to be my replacement, but I did. And he's like, I'm, 
I'm very wealthy and proud to say, to say it because he knew what I was doing better than I did. And it only took a minute. And then you sort of figure it out. Like smart people are successful because they know how to hire other smart people, not afraid of it. And you, you know, you just, you nailed it on the head there. And I, I think to, to close up shop, your curiosity stream, and this is probably in your projections is set for, I think a very, very fast growth pace coming in really quickly here because I really, you know, if we, especially if we stay at home for an extended period of time or on and off for the next year, uh, you are essentially museums worldwide. That's what you are. And every single person gets the opportunity to sit down in a museum in their home and learn about one thing that they never knew before. And, and I just think it's like an, the documentary, um, we're, we're all, like, you're seeing a lot of them come out right now, but we're really, I think at like 10, 15% of where documentary is going to be. You know, there's, I just think there's a huge, huge market for everybody. So I'm excited to see it grow. Thank you. And I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> pandemic has enabled us to, to reach more people. And, um, you know, we, we are uh, optimistic that we'll continue to reach more every day and, and really, you know, accelerate, uh, through this scenario and, you know, hopefully, you know, impact as many people as we can on the planet. I would let, uh, let's ask you one random question here. I didn't, I actually didn't have this on my agenda, but you mentioned the pandemic piece. Um, there, there's a lot of people I think who are sitting at home just sort of waiting on their business. And then there's a lot of people who are working on their business and trying to come up with, not because of the advantage of pandemic, but just because of the time. What have you used? Like, have you guys used this time, especially since it's hard to produce right now? Have you used this time to come up with different ways to, to fix your, yourselves, your business, to work on the engine a little bit, to take it apart and clean some of the parts? Like what, what are you guys using some of this time for? I think, I think you make a great point about time, right? I mean, you know, what I've told everybody, uh, that works for us, that works remotely. We do, we we're considered essential. So we have a handful, handful of people that come into the office every day, but yep. it's just, you know, commit to routine, you know, make your bed when you get up, get dressed, not in sweatpants, exercise, you know, call people, you know, zoom, don't just text email and Slack, but leverage your time because right now you know, you're not commuting, you're not traveling. I mean, so this is the longest in, in my adult life that I've gone without being on a plane. You know, I'm sure there's lots of people that can say that. Yep. So we have an incredible amount of time. So what does that mean? If you're, you know, if, if you're one of our internal content creation people, it means, you know, boom, keep making as much great content uh, as possible. If you're a development person, you know, let's, let's, let's run that development plan out for the next three years, you know, because look, we're long-term focused, Scott, but the long-term is a series of short terms, right? And so, and then if you're a, you know, if you're a distribution person, you know, if you're, if you're calling on colleges and universities, you know, look, get your schedule ready. I mean, I think people are coming back to school for the most part, um, at least to the higher levels in, in, uh, in, in the fall, get that schedule ready to go. Cause when things open up, you just, you know, you just want to be ready to turbo blast. And, I, uh, I, totally feel agree. Like we're, I feel like we're doing that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think we're going to walk away from this and I'm going to be a little judgy, uh, when we come back and I see brands that look and smell the exact same as they did before yes. this and, and like, not to sound like a jerk. Cause there's a lot of people who are, you know, less fortunate that are now unemployed, but like, listen, if you're not working on a new skill to make yourself more valuable, more hireable, I got to question, you know, what your, what your drive is a little bit. Um, 
you know? 100%. And if, if you're not really working hard, I mean... Students too, by know, the way. Students yes, too. Yes. I mean, you know, look, if, if you're fortunate enough to have a job, you know, you should be working as hard as possible at it so that, you know, when we come out of this thing, we'll be able to, you know, we'll have the kind of economy that can help put, the, you know, 30 million of our brothers and sisters who are out of work back to work. Right. Totally. Totally. Well, uh, Clint, this has been awesome. Uh, where do people go to, to sign up for a curiosity stream and learn more about it and follow and all that kind of stuff. Right. Thanks. You can go to curiositystream.com and sign up. We're on, you know, Apple TV, Roku, Amazon fire, Google play prime video channels, and then about 50 cable and satellite operators around the world. Awesome. $2.99 a month or 20 bucks a year. Right now you can sign up for a buck a month. Perfect. Clint, thank you so much. Thank you, Scott. Really appreciate it. Of course. And as always, you can follow me at Katoon. You can check out the uh, the latest and greatest pitch reviews by following Technori on Instagram. And of course, sign up for the Technori newsletter by going to technori.com. Boom, that's a wrap.